Good morning, everyone. Hope you have a wonderful day. We continue. We left off on the bottom of page 32nd B. About Tuba of. It says in the Mishnah, says the two greatest Yamim Tavim on the Jewish calendar were the 15th of Av. There was no greater Yamim Tavim on the 15th of Av and Yom Kippur. So Yamada says, This was Licham Achil. Yom Kippur, we understand why it was such a great holiday. And that's, by the way, the reason we say. Birchat uh, Our custom is we only do priestly blessing. Really, it's a mitzvah to do it every day. Israel, they do it every day, but we only do it on Yom because you have to do it from joy. So we do it on the holidays, on Sukkot, on Pesach, on Shavuot, and we also do it on Yom Kippur. Why? Yom Kippur is a day of joy because it's a day of cleansing. A day your sins are forgiven. It gives you tremendous joy. You a clean slate. It's Starting all over again. Right. Next to, uh, to so, yeah. so it's a real joy because yeah, yeah, yeah. you, you cleanse, and that's why you do the Birchus Kainim. And also, also, it's the giving of the Torah. Hashem gave us the second set of tablets. No, and on Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, yeah. What kind of Yamtiv is the 15th of Av? Why is Tubav a Yamtiv? So Yamadi gives a few reasons. Rabbi Dhamma Shmuel says, This was the day when they allowed the Shvatim to marry each other. My daughters, how did they learn this from? Because it says, it says that daughters of Tzlavchad complain at the end of uh, the book of Numbers it says that the family, the family of Menashe complained once Hashem said in Parshas Pinchas that once Hashem said that the daughters could inherit their father if there's no sons and the daughters inherit the father. So they complained because what's going to happen if they're going to marry someone out of the tribe? Mm-hmm. So the daughters are going to inherit a portion of the land of Israel that belongs to that tribe, the tribe of Menashe. Then the daughters of Tzlavchad will marry out of the tribe. Their children will be counted as the other tribe because they follow your father. And they're going to inherit, another tribe is going to inherit their portion of the land. You're going to transfer the portion that belongs to the tribe of Menashe to a different tribe. Wow. So Hashem said that every tribe, is no intermarriage. Every tribe must marry their own a daughter, if there's only daughters, and you're in danger of in danger of transferring the inheritance, because everyone had an inheritance. Every single Jew had an inheritance. Whoever entered the land of Israel had an inheritance. They inherited a portion, a piece of the land of Israel. They had a piece of property that belonged to them. Right, this wasn't a communist socialist system. Every, except the Levium. Every Jew had a portion or inheritance. So, to make sure that you don't transfer it, therefore they were prohibited from marrying outside of the tribe, and they all found, all five daughters mar- found a shidduch of their own tribe. 
So, but, but on the 15th of Av, they, they allow them to marry anyone. Anyone can marry. How, how did they learn this? When the Torah says clearly you're not allowed to. Because it says, it says clearly in the Pasuk. This was a, it was only a timely thing. It was only applicable to that, for that generation. When they ent- enter the land. And that's why it's not one of the 630 mitzvot. One of the 14 roots and rules, what's counted as a mitzvah, is only a mitzvah that's, that's eternal, a mitzvah for all generations. A mitzvah that's only a one-time shot is not considered a mitzvah. So it was a big yamtif, because now you're allowed to, you're allowed to intermarry, you're allowed to, one shevet is going to marry another shevet. It leads to unity. And Teisva says... This explains why, this only explains why it's a yamtif, like any other yamtif. He started out, Rashim Gamliel says, there was no greater yamtif than, than the 15th of Av. Just like he said about Yom Kippur, he had to give two reasons. Why did he have to give two reasons for Yom Kippur? If he only give one reason, then it's like any other yamtif. Why is it greater than any yamtif? So he gives two reasons. Firstly, the sins were forgiven. That makes it like every other yamtif. It's a day of joy. But, but then it also has a second reason. It was the giving of the Torah. Hashem gave us a second set of tablets. So this makes it greater than the other yamtif. So the first reason that he gives, that doesn't explain why it's greater. This explains why it's a yamtif. Taisa is very cryptic. He says one word. So what is, what's Taisa saying? This explains why it's a yamtif. This is the baseline. This makes it like any other yamtif. Now comes the other reasons that explains why it's more special, why it's even greater, because there are two reasons. And three, four, five reasons is going to give. Right, so he says, what's the, what makes it so special, even more than any other yamtif? Amar Rabbi Yisroel Ram Nachman Yem Shuhut the Binyam in Love Bekal. Right, Amar they're not arguing. Right, he doesn't say Ram Nachman Amar. Amar he says Yem Shuhut the Binyam. Right, that's a very good deal. Right, he's not arguing. He's building on top of that. This is the second thing, and that's what makes it even a greater yamtiv. Yem Shuhut the Sheva Binyam in Love Bekal. Is the time that they allow the tribe of Minyamin to marry? Shemar it says, After the civil war that they had, when they almost wiped out the entire tribe of Minyamin, in the time of the Pelagish Begiva, when they allowed this rape of this of the, of the concubine, and they didn't punish the the, per, the perpetrators like our deep blessed DAs that we have here in New York and Chicago and LA that actually helped the criminals and our vice president who actually let all them out go out without bail or murderers and criminals and empty the prisons and the, and allowing so they allowed the crime. They not only didn't they punish the criminals, they, they let them free. So the Jewish people are so angry. What, what, what kind of rotten, corrupt, decadent society are we? They allow criminals to run free, smash and grab. So they, it was a civil war. They're going to teach them a lesson. We're not a lawless society. We're a civilized society. So they almost wiped out the tribe of Yemen. They made, a sw- they made an oath that no one, no one is allowed to marry them. So that's, but then eventually they permitted them. So the day on the 15th of Av, they gave permission, they, they, they took down this ban. So therefore, it was a big joy. Now they saved the tribe of Miyama. Now we can marry again and bring them back in to the fold. Hmm. Wow. My daughters, 
That us, the, the, the whole prohibition, the whole ban, the whole ex- excommunication was only for that generation, not for their children. The next generation, on the contrary, we want you to marry. Another thing that happened on this day, that was the day when the dying stopped. The generation, the male. The age, between the age of 20 and 40, that left Egypt. Between the age of 20, 20 and 60, so they all died out in the desert as a result of the sin of the spies. Hashem promised, you're not going to see, none of you are going to see the promised land. With the, with the exceptions, the two exceptions, Kalev and Yeshua. So the, the, the dying stopped. In the 40th year, on the 15th of Av, the dying stopped. The master says, actually, call until all the males, all that generation died out in the desert. Hashem never spoke to Moshe. For thirty-nine years, since the since the sin of the spies, the is silent. Hmm. Hashem, Hashem is not speaking to Moshe. Thirty-nine years. Yes, he spoke to him the whole time in the whole book of Leviticus, and it's all. But then, once the sin of the spies happened, silence. He's not speaking to Moshe. The moment they stopped dying, the moment they stopped, now Hashem is speaking. Prophecy to came back. Prophecy came back. So this happened on the fifteenth of Av. Fifteenth of Av, and it says what happened was that every Tishabov Every anniversary of the first Tisha B'Av, the ultimate tragedy, when the spies, when they were crying, so they would all go, they would dig themselves graves. So they were all healthy, strapping, healthy. They would dig them their own graves. And they all went to sleep. And those, those that died, died. Every, every year, 15,000 died. And those that woke up in the morning, okay, now is not the year. When they turned 60, those who turned 60 all died. Anyway. That year, 15th of Av, they all dug their graves. Next morning, everyone wakes up. Well, so maybe, you know, we're sheltered by the clouds. Maybe we got our calendar wrong. <laughs> so they went back, they went back to sleep in the, in the, in the cemetery next, next, in the graves the next day. Again, they wake up. By the time it reached the 15th, it was the full moon. They realized, no mistake, this is, this is definitely uh, the fifth. So they realized that Hashem counted, Hashem said 40 years, but He counted the first year, even though the sin of the spies happened after the first year, in the second year, but Hashem counted the first year retroactively, included it, so, that, so therefore they were done with the dying. So they, it was a big yamtif, it was a big holiday. That's when Hashem's the prophecy, the prophecy returned to Moshe, it was a big holiday. Ulam Arula says another thing happened. This is when the last Jewish king, the king over the ten tribes, removed removed the, the uh, those who used to guard the sentries who would guard who wouldn't allow Jews. the one who rebelled and, and divided the kingdom and took the ten tribes with him put up sentries, didn't allow anyone to go to the temple, because a Jew is obligated to go to the temple three times a year. He's worried. If every, all the Jews are going to go to the temple, which was under the control of Yehuda, 
they're all gonna they're all gonna go with Yehuda. So he didn't allow any Jew to go to Yerushalayim. Hmm. And this this went on for hundreds of years until Heshea removed it. And actually, this was actually to the detriment of the Jews because what happened was that once he removed the sentries and nobody showed up. Now they had no excuse. Still now they had an excuse. He couldn't go to the temple because there were sentries. They would shoot us. They would kill us. But here, there's no sentries anymore. What's stopping you? And no one, no one bothered. No, no one bothered, no, no one bothered to show up. And that's why Hashem punished them. That's why they were all exiled. Continue in 31a. Whoever wants to go, go. Okay. So how many reasons? The Gemara gives a fifth reason. This is the time when they allowed those, the, the, the rebels, Barkovba and his army, who rebelled against the Roman Empire and succeeded. Miraculously succeeded so much so that he even designated, even designated the spot to build a third temple around. Rabbi Yerkiva declared Makachba as King Mashiach, and a hundred he didn't make a mistake. He was a hundred, He had an obligation halachically to declare him as Mashiach. He was a potential Mashiach. Absolutely, that's that's the source of Allah. Rabbi Yerkiva is the source of the entire Talmud. Rabbi didn't make any mistakes. That's the halacha. He was a potential Mashiach. So much so that a, a, a tenth of Rome converted. They called themselves the God-fearing ones. They became righteous Gentiles. The Romans were so taken, taken by the Jewish captives, by the morality and their intelligence and the, the whole character. That, and Rome was so decadent and corrupt, just like our country today. And people were searching for something godly, something genuine, and they were so taken. The elite of Rome became like God-fearing the Goyim. Yeah, yeah. And and he defeated the Romans. He was going from victory to victory. He had a miraculous. I was it was incredible. Bakapa was on the road to achieving success. But then, but then, it, but then, but then it was failed. It failed because the students of Rabbi Kiva. The students of Rabbi Kiva did not respect each other, didn't live up to that great, great potential. To be worthy of Mashiach, you got to be in a very high level. And they didn't live up to that level. That's why we mourn till today. We mourn in, 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 in the counting of the Omer. We don't get married. It's a national tragedy. We came so close to Mashiach, and instead, it ended up in a, in a big failure, tragic failure that until we're suffering from until today, till this very moment. Mashiach still didn't come yet. But we came so close. But so to show, to demonstrate, to show the world an example, this is what happens when you rebel against the Roman Empire, it didn't allow them any to be buried. For years, this went on for years. Finally, in the 15th of Av, the emperor allowed them to be buried. So it was a great joy, a great holiday. And miraculously, their bodies were intact. Hashem preserved their bodies, they didn't need to decompose, and they buried them on the 15th of Av. History. This was a tragedy. Yeah. Millions of people died. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, the outcome of the tragedy was yeah. because, it's because, like saying okay. they were able to bury but the because, ashes be, of the heart. No, yes. no, because for the Nishama, for, for the Nishama, for the Nishama not to be buried is excruciatingly painful. That's why it's a mitzvah to bury right away. Uh-huh. My grandmother, the Hadisha, never saw anything like it in her 30 years. She passed away, the whole family, we were all around the bed, all the daughters and sons-in-law and the grandchildren were all there. And 
she was always whatever, in her life she was always early to everything. She did everything very on time. Not only on time, she was already two hours before Shabbos she was already ready to go. She was buried within two hours. And they and they wrote it on, on the tombstone because they never saw anything like it. And a Mendel of Itebs asked to be buried immediately. For the Neshama to be buried instantly is the biggest thing. For the Neshama not to be buried right away is so excruciatingly painful. You can imagine the pain, because the Neshama has to be processed. Just like it takes nine months for the Neshama to come into this world. It's a process. You don't just jump from heaven to this world. You go through a whole process. So too, there's also a process for the Neshama to be processed into heaven. For the Neshama not to be buried is excruciatingly painful. That's why you have to bury right away. Unless you have a big reason not to. You, you, the children are not here for the par- honor the parents. So you have no choice. You, you push it off for the next day. But it's here for years. They were lying there. You know how excruciatingly painful it was for that whole generation. So it was a big simcha. That's when they added the fourth blessing in Benjamin. The fourth blessing, this was added by the rabbis then, after the destruction of the temple. One miracle was, Hashem is good, that they, they, they didn't decompose. So, so this event that happened, the whole Bakachbe event, left such a mark on us, that until today, the whole the counting of the Omer, we don't get married, we're mourning. Every time you bench, every time you wash, you eat a meal, you're remembering that whole episode, that Toiva made it, because it left such an impression of because we came so close. And it was because of the students of Rabbi Kiva who didn't live up to the teachings of the Rebbe, Rabbi Kiva, who love your fellow Jew like yourself, the ultimate wow. lover of Jews, didn't respect each other the way they should. And therefore, Mashiach is all about unity. Mashiach is about when Jews are unified, Hashem gave us the Torah. In Kippur, we all forgive each other. So Hashem, so Hashem, so Hashem forgives us. To, to receive Mashiach, you have to have Jewish unity. You can't have Mashiach and, and Jews are fighting. It, it just, it's like the plane is trying to land and people are shooting in the runway. You can't land. <laughs> you just can't. Mashiach is godliness. Godliness, Hashem Echad, is unity. There's no unity in the family. There's no unity in the community. There's no unity amongst ourselves, amongst Jews. Mashiach can't land. So, so if we don't have that respect for each other and that love for each other, it's just not happening. Okay, here we have a sixth thing. Both of them said, This is the day, this is the time when they stopped cutting wood for the temple, for the, for the altar. Why did they stop chopping wood? Because he explains the sun grows weaker. Therefore, we don't cut the, we don't use the, we don't, we stop cutting wood for the, for the altar. not dry. Just like a sacrifice in the temple has to be intact, the whole the animal has to be perfect. The wood also has to be perfect. One of the things of the Koenim who had a defect, they couldn't do the service in the temple, what was their job? They would look through the wood to make sure there's no worms, there's no this, it has to be perfect. So when the sun is hot, up until Tuba, you have dry wood. But once the sun grows weaker, that's why. And that's how Hasidus explains another reason why Tuba is so special. Why is this a greater Yamtiv than Pesach, which is also on the 15th? 
of Nisan mm. or Tishrei Sukkot on the fifteenth of, of, of Tishrei. The fifteenth, the Jewish people are compared to the moon. The fifteenth is when the sun, the moon is at its peak. Yeah. So Pesach, Tubav is greater than Pesach. Tubav is greater than than, than Tishrei. Sukkot. The answer is this is the key because. Tuba'av is the only day the Jewish people are compared to the moon. The non-Jews are compared to the sun. Tuba'av is that meeting point when the Jew ascends its peak and the Goyim represented by the sun grow weaker. When the Jew ascends and Goyishkeit becomes weaker, this only happens in Tuba'av. That's why it's a greater Yom even than Pesach and Sukkot. And they call it the day that they broke the, the axe or the saw. Because since they finished, they finished, they finished cutting wood, so they would break. We don't need, we don't need the axe anymore. We don't need to chop anymore. Then the Gemara says, "Mikan v'ila." Going forward, the Meisiv Yisiv is the Meisiv Yosef. Since the night, since the sun grows weaker, in other words, the days start shortening, the nights get start getting longer. So now you have extra time at night. You're not working. You don't work at night. In those days, they lived by by the sun, by the light. They didn't have any artificial light like you have today, so so the so the days are shorter, the nights start growing longer. You have to use that extra time to study Torah. So whoever adds Torah will add life, and whoever not, Yosef. What's Yosef? You'll be gathered. Your mother will bury you. You know that you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna die earlier before your time. Children should bury their parents. Not not parents should God forbid bury their children. A child who dies when his parents are still alive, it's not before your time. So if you don't study Torah, is the source of life. So if you use the extra time at night to study Torah, then you're going to live. Hmm. question is, why? I mean, you have to study Torah day or night. What's the difference if it's a day or night? Every extra moment you have, you have to study Torah. If you're exempt, you're exempt from studying it. No, yeah, if you're pushing. right, and if you're exempt because I'm busy working, so you're exempt. I mean, well, what's the what's the? It's not it's not the day still has 24 hours. <laughs> it's not like the day became longer. It's the same 24 hours. So what's what's so special about learning Torah at night? The Rambam says that, that to merit the crown of Torah, it's only those who study Torah at night. You have to study Torah day and night. We have this early in the Gemara argument, which Torah is better, the Torah you learn at day or the Torah you learn at night. But the Rambam says the main, to, to merit the crown of Torah, you have to, to don't just study Torah. Why, why at night? What's so special about learning Torah? That's something very special. Because when you learn Torah during the day, you come into the Koilul, there's classes, easy. At night, you're talking about the person is home, you're alone, you know, you can relax. The question is, where, where is the person really at? At night, most people are clubbing, they're having fun, they're entertaining. Instead of wasting a night entertaining, what's your life? To show that Torah is truly your life, it's your crown, it's, it's your core, it's your essence. Wow. At night, there's no one around, there's no shiurim, it's not, you're sitting alone in your house, what are you doing? What are you occupying? What are you engaging? 
If you engage in Torah, that means that Torah is your crown, it's your life, it's your essence. Yeah, I'm not doing this because obligation. I'm not obligation, it's beyond obligation. While everyone else is partying in the, in the nightclub or entertaining themselves, having fun, what are you doing? You're connecting with Hashem, you're learning this Torah. So that adds life. That means that you, you, this is your crown, this is who you are, this is your core, your essence. Shabahan Banais Yushalayim, the daughters of Jerusalem. Tell the Rabban, the rabbis learn, Bas Melech, Sheelis, and Bas Kengad. A daughter of the princess would borrow her, borrow her dress from the daughter of the Kengad. Bas Kengad, the daughter of the Kengad, would borrow a dress from Bas Kengad. The mission says everyone would borrow, no one should wear their own dress, not to embarrass anyone. Those who didn't have. Basgan with Barami, Bas Mashuach Muhammad, it's all in rank. You know, you go to one who is lower than you. With Baro from the daughter of Mashuach Muhammad, who is a Kangadal for the war, was designated as the high priest uh, high priest for the war. Ubas Mashuach Muhammad, Bas Kain headed from a regular Kayan, the whole Yisrael, Shalim everyone would borrow from each other. Tishli is bias Mishainla, not to embarrass someone who didn't have. So it was a, it was a display of unity. Tremendous display of love and unity. Everyone should feel good. Everyone should feel good. Right. 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 They weren't competing. And it wasn't right. Who was the first Alasa? The first coin right. for war? You know, in many shows he come, everyone's looking who has a nicer dress, who has <laughs> fancier, more design of nicer suit. That's not, that's, no, it's not my suit. It's not my dress. Don't look at the, don't look at that. It's a person. Look at the person. Look at the person. They, first, they would dip all the dresses. Besides taking it to the cleaners, you have to take it to the mikveh. In the old days, they had to live by purity and impurity. So they take it to the mikveh. Even if the dress is boxed up, right, and the zip zippered up and boxed up, you uh, pull it out and and dip it in the mikveh. Pretty stringent, huh? Why? Again, not to embarrass anyone who has to dip into the mikveh. So if everyone dips into the mikveh. Again, you're not saying that. Oh, you are you are, you're impure. Everyone went to and he would go out and dance in the vineyards. Tana, we learn, whoever was unmarried, all the boys would go out to the vineyard to watch the girls dancing and to pick a wife. They didn't have a shotgun system. They had a, a, a different system. Those who came from a special, special yichas, who had special yichas, pradhani, they would say, don't look at beauty, look at character, look at the, the, where the person comes from. Tell the rabbi and the rabbis learn, those who are gorgeous, those who are beautiful, would say, look at beauty. Says a person who has a beautiful home and a beautiful wife, it expands your mind. You know, it's a, it's, it's a, so a woman is for beauty, and Hashem made women beautiful. That's her hallmark. Feminine beauty. Kings went to war over 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 women. <laughs> exhausted, exhausted their treasures just to gain. Esther for women. Was so she right. saved the Jewish people. Right. So a woman's for beauty, and by a Jew, external beauty is just a symptom of internal beauty. 
the word panim face in Hebrew comes from the word panimiyut, the inside. The, the panim, the inside is written all over, all over, all over your your face. So external beauty for a Jew is not separate. That's why Sarah was the most beautiful woman that lived after Chava. Rivka, Rivka was gorgeous. Rachel, Rachel was gorgeous. David, David's wives, Etipara. He was called a Kushis, Moshe's wife, all the Kushis, because he was so oh, beautiful. She was, oh, she was a real so, right, so, right, stunning. So, so, beauty is not, Judaism is not putting down beauty. We're not afraid of beauty. Beauty is something, beauty for us is done with modesty because beauty for us is holy, is godly. Beauty is a reflection of the inner beauty. Of this, it's it's when, this when, when Avram went down to Egypt, he says, Sarah, wow, you're so beautiful. He just realized that she's beautiful? No, because for the first time, he just saw her external beauty. Till then, he loved it. He, he was focusing on her inner beauty. The external beauty was just an expression of inner beauty. But Egypt was such a corrupt and decadent place, everything was skin deep. All they looked at was external. A person could be rotten to the core, horrible personality, but then gorgeous, the beautiful, a model, then, then you know, they, they, would, they would worship that. And that's what he said. This is a, that for the first time, he noticed that external beauty, because till then, he, he wasn't focused on external beauty. It was just a symptom of the spirit, inner beauty. Wow. Those who came from a good year, because they weren't so beautiful. But they had special character, personality. Some women are beautiful, but their personality and the character yeah, right. makes up makes up for it. Uh, like uh, you love the 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 personality is so beautiful and the character is so beautiful. So he says, Look at the family. Look at look at look, look at where we come from. The characteristic traits that we inherited from our parents and our because a woman is only for children. In other words. You're getting married. What's the ultimate primary primary responsibility that we have is to make shpruvu, to make sure that there's there's, a, there's the next generation. So so to have children, you want to make sure your children have beautiful personalities and character. Right. in the Mishnah, grace is false and beauty is vain. A woman who fears God. Yeah. Those who are ugly. You have such a you have such, something like that. It happens. <laughs> Those are ugly. Buy purchase your purchase for the sake of heaven. For the sake of heaven. Marry for the sake of heaven. You're not marrying for your own you don't live for yourself. You're marrying to do what Hashem wants. It's a mitzvah to get married, so marry. So you, you didn't marry your beauty. You need you need a you need a princess, you need a model. <laughs> are you a prince or you need a model? Hmm. You need a model. You have to marry a model. You marry, right? You buy. You need Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> you know, when you buy a car, you need a useful car. You have to buy a Rolls Royce. Well, well, who are you? You're a billionaire. You need a Rolls Royce. You need a model. You need to marry for to fulfill your mitzvah. To do what Hashem wants for the sake of heaven. But make sure to buy jewelry because if you give someone jewelry, even someone who's ugly. If you treat them right and, and you dress them right, and, you know, even they can shine and sparkle, and even externally, suddenly they look beautiful. That's, the, that's what they do today. They take people actually pretty ugly, but they, they, you know, you dress them up, dress them up right, and before you know it, they look, they look, yeah. Right, exactly. 
Okay, we'll stop over here. We'll make the siyum. We'll do the siyum maybe tomorrow. We'll make the siyum with the minyan. We'll make the kaddish. Yeah, maybe. Why not? Everyone have a wonderful day.